0: The following is brought to you by Canyon Ridge Church at Tacoma. For additional podcasts or information on service times and upcoming events, please visit us online at www.explorecrc.com. Last week I told you about uh, Uncommon Stewardship. It was part of our series on Uncommon. We went over... Giving learned about how that everything belongs to God, and that's the most important thing to remember when it comes to stewardship, Christian or biblical stewardship. Everything belongs to God. It starts with that. It ends with that. It's all about that. And then also that God looks for sacrificial giving. That's the kind of giving that he wants to see us uh, give, it needs to be a sacrifice he doesn't appreciate the token gift or the easy gift. And I got a first-hand demonstration of that the following Monday. So uh, some guys in the church told me a couple months ago, they said, Hey, uh, keep Monday morning, August 15th, free. We're going to take you out for the day, and so don't plan anything. So uh, they showed up at my house in the morning, and as a group of guys, six guys, all of us together, was uh, Ron Cady, Bruce Jacobs, Ray Budworth, um, Sean Price, and Nick Seleski and myself. And I, I was also told, though, that um, Jim had some, something to do with that as well as uh, a Jim Maton. Um, the guys picked me up and then took me to... Uh, this cliff, and we're gonna kill me. Um, that's what I thought. No, we went uh, on this gondola ride up to Crystal Mountain. I don't know if you've done that before. It is amazing, absolutely amazing. And so we went up on the gondola, and you get up there, and all of a sudden, boom, there's Mount Rainier. And then we had this amazing lunch. And uh, they bought me a gift. They bought me a, a, a buck knife and had it engraved with my name and a scripture verse. And then the guys went around and shared what I have meant to them in, in their life and their love for me. And uh, then we you know, went down. Then we went to this other place and got some ice cream. And, and I'll tell you, it was the first time serving at Canyon Ridge where I felt... Genuinely loved and appreciated. Not that they haven't been appreciated before, but what it took for those guys to do, they had to take a vacation day. This is Monday, this is their day to work. They take a day off, they schedule their whole life around so they can go, and they made a sacrifice to give to me. And when somebody gives you a gift that really costs them a lot, it's so very precious. And so I just want to say again to those men, thank you so much for that wonderful, amazing gift and showing me that love. I'll just uh, cherish that forever. Thank you. All right, we're focusing on the uncommon common. These are the common common. Practices. These are the disciplines that God expects of every single follower of Christ Jesus. Every disciple, this is the minimum, this is the base. These are things that God expects. We're calling this spiritual boot camp. And each week what we've been doing is exposing you to one discipline and then trying as hard as we can to inspire you to incorporate that into your life. So not just learning, this isn't about just learning, but it's taking what you've learned and then applying it to your daily life, life transformation. And this has been one of the most successful series we've ever done. It's been remarkable. All the people, I hear stories every single week, multiple, multiple stories of life transformation. I've never prayed like this before. I've, just, I've never studied the Bible this way before. Um, I, my relationship with God has just taken off, and I'm just so excited. And, and one person saying, I, could, I don't have enough time in the morning to spend with God. And before, I could pray, and the most I could pray would be three minutes. And now she's going 45 minutes in the morning and wishing for more time to spend with the Lord. It's absolutely amazing. People having breakthroughs in their relationship with God in prayer, in Bible study, in worship, in giving, in evangelism. And so today, we're going to tackle the most feared discipline of them all. This is the big one. Fasting. Uncommon fasting. No other discipline is more feared and misunderstood in the church than this one. And this is especially important to our church because God has called us to a season of prayer and fasting. We are actually called by, that, by God to do this. Last October, if you remember, 2015 October we received this challenge from the Lord to set aside a whole year of concentrated prayer and fasting. And up to this point, we have done a phenomenal job with the prayer. All right? Just for now, let me just list a couple of things. We began 2016 with seven full days of prayer. Then we Gave Each member of the church a prayer guide and we all started praying through the prayer guide every day every month We had three different prayer workshops that we did oops We had um, three different nights of worship. We started pre-service prayer We had an all-night prayer meeting on good Friday evening that went into Saturday morning before Easter And then we started this new prayer initiative of 20-Minute Mornings. And I tell you, I feel like we have been faithful to that challenge. There's more prayer going on in our church than has ever been before in the history of our church. And so I I feel incredibly honored to be a part of this and to see this happening in our congregation, this much devotion and prayer to Jesus. I think God is up to something God is doing something I don't know what it is but I have been praying that God would grant us a biblical revival I don't know that that's going to happen but that's in my heart it's been my prayer God send us a true biblical revival they say that you can tell that something's important to somebody by how much they talk about it, right? They talk about it all the time, must be important to you. And so when you go to the Bible, if something is mentioned over and over and over, it must be important to God, right? Like water baptism. Water baptism is mentioned over 75 times in the Bible. It was very important to Jesus. In fact, it was so important to Jesus, it's the one thing the church has adopted in its practice across the whole world. Every Christian church in the world does water baptism. Now we do it differently, okay? I grant you that. We, some people don't know what they're doing. But uh, <laughs> we, we're, all, we're all doing water baptism because it was important to Jesus. Well, if that's the case, then why isn't there widespread fasting in all the churches throughout all of the world? Why is there virtually no fasting at all? Because Jesus commanded fasting, and it's talked about in the scriptures 77 times, more than water baptism. More than water baptism. And if it's that important to God, why aren't we seeing it in the church? Why aren't we seeing fasting as much as water baptism? Well, probably two very important reasons. Okay, obvious reasons. One, people don't know that God expects it. They think, oh, well, it's good, or you should do it, or you know, some people can do it, or really spiritual people do it, but they don't believe that God expects them to do it, and he does. And they don't know how, and so they fear it. You You are afraid of what you don't understand. If you don't know how it is or what it's going to do to you or how it's going to be, then you are afraid of it. And I think for those two reasons alone, most Christians simply avoid it. So today, I'd like to turn that around, okay? Let's make a difference in our church in this area. And I want to try I briefly explain what fasting is, that fasting is expected by Jesus, and that fasting is done for a purpose, all right? Those three things, let's dive into that a few minutes here. First of all, what is fasting? Here's a simple definition. Christian fasting is a disciple's voluntary abstinence from food for spiritual purposes. All right? Strictly speaking, this is what fasting is. Avoiding food voluntarily for a period of time for spiritual purposes. But there is also a broader definition of fasting in the scriptures that relates more to anything that brings enjoyment or comfort in your life can be set aside for a period of time as a type of fast. So if you are taking medication every single day and you're seeing your doctor on a regular basis and you have to have food with the pills that you take, obviously you can't do that. You can't stop eating. It would be bad for your health. It would would be detrimental to you so what do you do well there are there is a broader definition of fasting that includes methods for people who are in that category which i happen to be in that category and so uh, but i'll get more to, more into that in a little bit it's anything that is precious to you is something that you can lay aside for a period of time and fast Now, fasting involves abstaining from food, but not from water. Very important distinction there, all right? Your body can go without food for a long period of time, but you can only go three days without water safely. Three days. And so if you're going to do what you call an absolute fast, where you fast food and water, you cannot go past three days, all right? Do not do it. Go three days... Never four. Two, one, never four. And that's pertaining to water, okay? Your body must have water. There are five types of fasts that that one can do. There's a normal fast. There's a partial fast. An absolute fast. A private fast. And a congregational fast. When Jesus fasted in the wilderness in Matthew, it says that Jesus went away. He fasted and prayed for 40 days. It says, it doesn't say anything about him not drinking, right? In Luke as well, Luke talks about it. No mention of Jesus not drinking. So he drank fluids while he fasted. So that was a normal fast. Normal fast is fasting food, but taking in fluids, the book of Daniel, these Hebrew men fasted, but they had a, a partial fast because they did eat food, but they only ate vegetables. So they ate vegetables and then they drank water. And that's considered a partial fast. John the Baptist also uh, practiced partial fasting. He ate only wild honey and locust. Interesting diet. That's called a partial fast and so what this means is if you cannot safely fast from all food you could fast from something else and it would be just all right okay it would be just just fine god will accept that as as a worthy fast for me what is precious to me is i have four boys and wife and busy career and so my time that is just mine is precious to me. I only have a little bit of it. It's usually late at night, maybe half hour, an hour. Get to sit in my recliner. It's electric. So push the button. I go back. Nice bowl of ice cream. Always vanilla. A little bit of chocolate sauce. Zoe sits right there and we share. And I can watch my favorite show, How It's Made, or some other builder show, something like that. And that's my time. Nobody's bothering me. Nobody's coming and interrupting me. It's all to me. It's the only time I get during the day for me. That is precious to me. So to fast that, to give that up, (laughs) the ice cream, (laughs) time to myself to just be... Give all that up as a fast unto the Lord. That is a partial fast. And that is something that God would honor. Another type of fasting is uh, an absolute fast. Esther called an, a, an absolute fast for the nation of Israel. She called the whole nation together and said, We are going to fast for three days, food and water. And that's what they did. And Paul, the apostle Paul, fasted three days, food and water In Acts chapter 9 and verse 9. It's an absolute fast. Then you have a private fast. Private fast I'll explain later. Then you have congregational fast. That's where the whole congregation is called together for fasting for a period of time. You see that in Joel chapter 2 verses 15 and 16. Acts chapter 13 verse 2. And so we see those types of fasting. The second thing that is important is that fasting is expected by our Savior. Jesus is expecting you to be fasting. Take a look at Matthew chapter 6. Matthew 6 verse 16. It says, And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, and their fa- that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. So we're talking about a private fast here. But notice what Jesus says. He doesn't say, if you fast. He says, when, twice. He's assuming, he's automatically assuming that they're doing this. It's an assumption. It's saying that that fasting is to the Christian just like prayer is a part of the Christian faith or just like worship is part of Christian faith. Fasting also. In fact, you see in the the uh, Sermon on the Mount, Jesus goes through each of those and says, now when you pray, pray like this. When you fast, fast like this. When you worship, worship like this. When you give, give like this. So it's an assumption all Christians are fasting. It's an expectation. When you do it, do it like this. Now, is this what you do? I'm curious. Is this how you fast? Are you a fasting Christian? Look at Matthew chapter 9. There's a little bit more. 9 and verse 14 and 15. Then the disciples of John came to him saying, 'Why, Why do we and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? So it's John's disciples coming to Jesus saying, Hey, We're all fasting. What's up with your guys? And Jesus said to them Can the wedding guests mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast. The days will come. You see that phrase there? The days will come. Those days are here. We are in those days when Jesus ascended up into heaven, those days began. We are in that period of time now where he is expecting us to be fasting. You know what's really fascinating about all these passages in the Bible about fasting? Not one place does Jesus ever say how long you should fast or when you should fast. Nothing. As if he's saying this is something between you and the leading of the holy spirit it's very different from prayer in prayer he made it absolutely clear that's a daily practice pray every day fasting no we don't fast every day we fast by the prompting of the holy spirit so if you're a Christian who is in tune with God and you're listening to the Holy Spirit's prompting in your life, then you would already be prompted to fast. You would, this, would be no, this would be nothing new to you. You would hear this and say, oh, of course, yes, God has brought this to me already, that I should be fasting. In the Bible, we do see this. Fasting for 24 hours. Fasting for part of one day. Uh, fasting for an evening. Fasting for a three-day period. For a week. A 14-day fast. A 21-day fast. And a 40-day fast. And that brings us to the last segment, which is number three. Fasting is done For a purpose. And I think this is the the thing that's really, really critically important for us to understand when it comes to fasting. This is why, if you have tried to fast and you didn't it, it did nothing, it failed, it's probably because of this. Fasting must be done with a purpose. And anything you do in life that's a challenge, it's impossible without purpose. All right? It's a challenge already, but if it doesn't have any purpose or meaning, it is unbelievably difficult. Take, for example, let's say that out of the blue, just not, not expected, you didn't do anything, all of a sudden, you came down with this painful, debilitating disease called fibromyalgia syndrome. And you have it, and... And it causes pain and suffering every day. It's debilitating. It's just terrible. It's just, it's just plain out suffering, suffering, suffering. And it just happened. and just came on you. Boom. There it is. Deal with it. But what if God sent an angel, maybe Gabriel, and that angel came into your living room, nine feet tall, the glory of God, and he says, listen, I'm going to allow you, God is going to allow you to suffer. You're going you're gonna to take upon you fibromyalgia syndrome and you're going to suffer every day, but it will be for the glory of God and you will receive a great reward. Now, does that make your suffering easier? You bet it does. <laughs> Absolutely. It's got purpose now. I know why. I know why. If I know why, I can endure. If I know why, I can add purpose to that, and I can can succeed with that. It's when I don't know why that I fail. And so you've got to know why does Jesus want you to fast? You've got to know why. I'm going to tell you why remember our key verse in this whole series 1st Timothy 4 7 and 8 remember you should have it memorized by now have nothing to do with irreverent silly myths rather train yourself for what Godliness. godliness there's our clue Train yourself for godliness, for while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every area of your life, and it holds promise for the present life and for the life to come. We fast for the purposes of godliness. We know that to be true. Who does the training? Train yourself. Do uh, d- does the training come from the church staff? Do we train you? No. Do I train you? No. Does your mother train you? No. How about Oprah? No. You are doing it. Train yourself," he said. You must do it. If you don't do it, it ain't going to happen. And so we have a little bit of purpose now. We're going to add some more to it. We know it's for the purpose of godliness, which is me becoming more like Christ and being closer to him and my relationship with him and loving Jesus. So I know it's part of that, but it's even more. It's even more than that. I have found 10 different Categories of fasting in the Bible. Ten different reasons why a Christian would fast. And let me just rip through them and then focus only on one. To strengthen prayer, to seek God's guidance, number three, to express grief, four, to seek deliverance and protection, five, to express repentance That one's really important, I think. I wish you had time to go into that one because, you know, you can't just say, oh, Lord, I'm sorry, and, and call that repentance. That's, that's a confession. But that is not repentance. And what does God ask for? He asks for repentance. He doesn't ask us for confession. It's confession and repentance. Well, how do you repent? You know, I... Uh, Got onto the internet and started looking at some stuff I shouldn't look. Oh, I'm so sorry. I know that was terrible. It was wrong, Lord. Please forgive me. But is that it? How do I show my repentance? Well, the Bible says that you can show your repentance through fasting. And so you set aside a fast. And every time your stomach grumbles and every time you feel a pain or a headache, you can say, Lord, God set me free from this sin. Lord, Wash it, wipe it out of my life. Tear it from me. I turn away from it. Fasting is very key to repentance. Number six, to humble oneself before a holy God. Seven, to advance the kingdom of God. Eight, to minister to others' needs. Nine, to overcome temptation. And ten, to express love toward God. So let's briefly focus on just number seven because it relates directly to Canyon Ridge Church. Fasting to advance the kingdom of God. All of these categories have multiple scripture references to all of them. I just don't have time to give them all to you or go into them, but i just tell you, you have to take me, trust me on this. Each of these 10 categories has many different verses in scripture to back it up. So, number seven, specifically as it relates to Canyon Ridge Church and our call to break the growth barrier. That's what all this is about. That's why we're doing it. God has given us the call to advance the kingdom of God at 84th and Waller Road. Right? We're a church, right? That's what churches do. There is a church at 84th and Waller Road. It's called Canyon Ridge Church. And it's been planted there by God to advance the kingdom of God. But there's a problem. There's a big problem, and the problem is this something is hindering the church's progress. For 57 years, this church has been held back. It's been hindered, it's been stopped. There's a pattern of growth and decline growth, decline, growth, decline. I'm the third lead pastor of Canyon Ridge Church, and the two pastors before me were certainly smart, capable men. Oh, I'm somewhat capable as well. Okay, I'm not going to toot my own horn. <laughs> but why? Why is this happening? Why does the church grow and then shrink back, grow and never ever advance? 57 years. I don't know why. Do you? I don't know why. I have asked God a million times. The staff has. Other people have. We got no answer. We don't know why. Why is this happening? I don't know. So we hire consultants. $5,000 the first time around, the denomination footed the bill on that one. Here's what you got to do. Okay. Mm, Church grew. Shrunk back. Hire another consultant. $5,000 again. This time we pay for it. Bring in intercessors. A group of intercessors came to our church. You didn't know about it. It was just between us and them. And they came and they went through a whole service. And they prayed and sought after the Lord. And then they went back to their town and prayed some more. And what did God say about Canyon Ridge? Nothing. None of them got anything. So here we are now praying for a whole year long. Asking God to break through whatever this barrier is. We thought maybe the barrier at one point was sin. So we did all this repenting and we went and repented to to a celebration center and uh, we repented to different people and we repented as a church, as leadership and went and asked for repentance of people in California and different places and all this reconciliation because maybe it was sin. There was sin in the camp and so we call for repentance and all this repentance and keep coming back to this. What is this hindrance? I don't know. And so here we are, we're praying for one full year that God would break this growth barrier. Now let me clarify, we are not doing this to grow big so that I could be rich and famous, okay? That is not why we're doing this. It's not because we just lust for a big church, you know, we just want big. No, no, we're not after big We're not not after famous, we're not even after being respected within our denomination. We can care about less about all of that. We don't want that. What we care about is the kingdom of God, you see. It's the kingdom. There are literally thousands of people all around us going straight to hell. And that bothers us. (laughs) That's a problem. That's a big problem. And I believe that God has said to us as a church, he's saying, hey, do you care? Do you care? Do you care about this community? Do you care that there are so many that are perishing day by day? And are you going to do something about it? Well, the answer to that is yes, we do care. And yes, we are going to do something about it. We've been doing something about it all year long in this prayer And now we're going to add to that prayer fasting. I've told you how to do it. I've told you that Jesus expects it. And I've told you, what did I tell you? (laughs) (laughs) That it's for a purpose. So now it comes to this. Today, I'm calling Canyon Ridge Church to intensify our prayer through fasting. I'm calling you to a fast. We are going to do a congregational fast. Okay? You know what that is. So starting today, I'm asking every Christian that's here, every Christian in this room that hears my voice, calling you to fasting and prayer. Not just prayer, but prayer and fasting. And the, the amount of fasting that I'm asking for today is as much as possible. <laughs> so I'm not going to tell you to do a three-day fast or one week or a month or what. I'm not going to give you any of that. You pray about it. You ask the Holy Spirit what he would want you to do, and you come up with how much fasting you're going to do, but that everybody is doing some. Okay? Everyone can fast. Everyone. If 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 God expects it, you can do it. He's not going to expect something of you that you cannot do. So number one, do this. Do as much as possible. As much as possible for you but it should be a sacrifice, right? Because that's what, that's what demonstrates our love for God, is a sacrifice. So if you're going to fast one day a month, great. We'll take it. Our staff has been doing that for a couple months. It's a start. It's not much, but we'll take it. If you can fast for one day each week till the end of the year, that would be awesome. That would be amazing. If you could do a three-day fast, that would be even more amazing. And if you want to do a whole week, then you're just flat out awesome, amazing. Here's what you do. Number one, you decide what kind of fast you're going to do. Here's your choices, right? Normal fast. Normal fast is no food, only fluid. Partial fast. It's a little like the fast that I talked about. You know, you're fasting of something that's important to you. An absolute fast is food and water for no longer than three days. days. A private fast, which Jesus described, where you do it in secret. Nobody knows about it. It's just you and God. And a congregational fast. Of course, we're all doing that one as well. But it's this one and other forms. Then decide how long and when. So what you're going to do... Decide how long and when, how many you're going to do. And then number three, and this one's so important. When you feel the pain, and you will. You will, I guarantee you, I've, I've done this. When your stomach is just making you feeling nauseous and upset and just you've got this headache because you haven't had any caffeine and when all these pains and discomforts come, It is your trigger to then pray. That's your trigger. So when that happens, okay, now I pray. And I say, Lord, help our church to break through the growth barrier. I feel pain in my stomach, Lord, and I feel that pain that you must feel when you look at our community and all the people that are suffering and dying. Lord, I feel such ache and struggle inside my physical body right now. And I pray that you would draw me closer to you through my struggle. Help me to see the hunger that I have for food to be a hunger for the presence of God. You see, that's where the purpose comes in. You see, it's, it's, It's fasting for a purpose. And this purpose is to break the growth barrier on this church. Because by all accounts, this church should have, by now, surpassed way beyond 84th and Waller. But it has not. Now, I feel this in my heart so strongly... That if we don't do this and the growth barrier is not broken, our church doesn't deserve existence. We don't deserve to be a church. Because we have biblical precedent this is what God wants. This is what he's asking. This is what he is expecting. And if we are not going to do it, if we're going to disobey, if we're going to reject that, then we don't even deserve to be called a church. I'll be better off just to close the doors, sell the property. Maybe that sounds harsh. I don't mean it harsh in terms of trying to manipulate you or discipline you or nothing like that. I'm just saying, I feel it passionately, you know? It's inside me. I feel this struggle. We've got to overcome. And that God is leading the way. Amen. He's leading us. He's leading us to overcome. I can't imagine that the Lord would call us to do something just so we could fail. Here, do this and fail. Woo! <laughs> I, I just can't see it. So we're fasting for the purposes of godliness and to see every single barrier that's in Canyon Ridge Church broken. And there's there's a growth barrier, but there's probably a lot of other barriers, too, that need to be broken. Let's just break them all. Let's break them all. A a barrier-breaking church. (laughs) You need prayer? Come here because there's tons of prayer at this place. I mean, this church is saturated in prayer. This is where you need to be. I think that's what God wants. I think that's what he wants from us. And so that's what we're going to do. That's what we're committed to. Let's pray. Father and God, forgive us, please. For the lack of fasting that's been going on in our church. I'm not aware of any fasting. Other than. The little bit the staff is doing. That doesn't matter. We're going to start doing it now Lord. It starts with me. And our leadership. And the congregation. So before you today Father. We, we say we will begin fasting and praying. We will add fasting to our prayers to become godly and to see you pour out your spirit on Cain Ridge Church. Lord, send us a, a biblical revival, a revival of such proportions that it is unmistakable that it's you who is doing the work. Nobody would confuse it with me or any other person or any other man. It would just be absolutely so clear it is God who is at work there to do his will his way. Lord, forgive us for our sin and help us to stay out of your way, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.